when Father God moves in a moment like that, that's really special. That's really huge for us. But it shouldn't be unusual for us. John Wesley said this, Light yourself on fire with passion, and people will come from miles around to watch you burn. I love how Jeremiah kind of puts it in this twist. Jeremiah 29 says this, But if I say I'll never mention the Lord or speak His name, His word burns in my heart like a fire. It's like a fire in my bones. I am worn out trying to hold it in. I can't do it. Can you remember, can you think about the last time the Holy Spirit was so burning within you, you couldn't contain him. You felt like you were going to explode. And you had to go and do whatever he told you to do, say whatever he wanted you to say, or be whoever he wanted you to be. Can you remember the last time that that happened in such a way that you were so consumed by the fire of the Holy Spirit inside of you that you, you couldn't hold it in? Just like Jeremiah says, I, I can't do it. I can't hold it in. When firefighters say that a, a structure is fully involved, they mean that every part of that structure is on fire. There isn't a place in that structure, a room, that is not on fire. Totally involved. I believe that that is supposed to be the norm of a son and daughter of the Most High. That we're like Jeremiah. We're, it's a fire in our bones. There's a fire in our spirit. There's a fire in our heart, in our mind in every bit of our emotions, in everything that we are, we're so burning with, with love that it just consumes us that we're totally involved. Totally in. Totally committed. That there isn't a part of us that's not centered on the will of God. To do, be, act, say the things on God's heart. To move in the ways that he would want us to move in, to go where he wants us to go. I believe that that's supposed to be our natural state as sons and daughters of the Most High. Yes, we're still human. We, we, we have so many things that, like, that's why God wants to free us. We have so many things back here that, that wants to disqualify who we are. It is yelling in our ears all the time, telling them that we're not this, we're not that, we can't be this, we can't be that. All the time it's talking to us. Trying to quench the fire in us. But I really believe once we dive into the, to, to knowing the Holy Spirit in, in such a way that, that the, the fire of our heart will just would be totally lit all the time. That that is what God wants for us. I really do believe that. And I think he showed us that this morning a little bit. The Bible describes God as a consuming fire in Hebrews. And in Romans, it talks about being living sacrifices on the altar of God, totally consumed by His Spirit. Fire is a, is a wonderful expression and a metaphor for God's presence throughout Scripture. And so when it says that God is a consuming fire, that means that there's nothing left. By him. And I love it because he says he burns so much, he burns things, he burns certain things away, and it purifies other things. It burns certain things away, our past.
our mistakes, our sins, the things that keep us from being like Him. And it purifies what's left to make us look more like Jesus. I love this fire. It's not meant to harm us. It's meant to heal us. It's meant for everything that's left to shine like gold. To shine like His Son, Jesus Christ, in us. We are meant to be on fire. We are meant to be lit all the time. We are meant to be brighter than anything that we can even imagine about ourselves. Because we're supposed to make a difference in this world. That's why we're here. To bring glory to God and to make a difference in this world. Because we have, we have God, God living inside of us. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Uh, I need your help this morning. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you right from the very start that you would empty me of me. And that you would fill me only with you. That you would come and minister to all of us with your words, with your heart. So that we can understand everything that you would want us to understand about your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come and be the comfort that we need. Be the teacher that we need this morning. Jesus said that you would lead us to all truth. So we ask, Holy Spirit, that you, that's indeed what you would do for us this morning. You would lead us to the truth, of, to the truth of who God is, the truth who Jesus is, the truth of who you are, so that we can walk in more freedom and so that we can be on fire every day for the rest of our lives. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week we said a, a, couple, we said a lot of things, but... We discovered that the Holy Spirit teaches us, the Holy Spirit frees us, and He empowers us to think like God thinks. To desire the things that God's heart desires and to feel the things that God feels. This is why the Holy Spirit is with us. That He teaches us about God the Father, that He teaches us about Jesus the Son, and He teaches us about Himself. And one of the things that we said that he teaches us about himself is that we are his home. First Corinthians six nineteen again, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. First Corinthians three sixteen says the same thing. Do you not know that yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? And Romans eight nine says, You, however, are not in the flesh but in the Spirit. And in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. And anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. So because God lives in us, we are a home base for His earthly ministry. Our body is the sacred place where God resides. This holy living arrangement that we have should excite us should motivate us, should change us. I think we forget about this. God is fully God every place in the universe. As expansive as the universe is, He is fully God every place in the universe. That's how big God is. 
This God who is so big, so huge, decides to make home here. One of the smallest vessels that there is, a human heart. Not very big. That's pretty amazing. I've been reading this book called Forgotten God. We kind of use this as our base for this series, but we're not taking everything from this. But, but I love the title of it from when I first saw it, Forgotten God, because we're talking about, last week we talked about when you miss someone, you know, you do almost anything to connect with them again. And I think sometimes the Holy Spirit is like the forgotten God in our lives. We forget that there is a holy God living inside of us. And we forget the benefits of having a holy God living inside of us. And we forget the responsibilities of a holy God living inside of us. But I've really been enjoying this book, and I do recommend it for a good read. But one of the things I want to steal from him today, my friend Francis, I want to... He uses this great analogy to talk about what I just said. Now, he uses a basketball analogy, but I'm going to use baseball because I, I like baseball better. And basketball, not so much, especially since the Knicks are so bad this year. Uh, I just would rather use baseball. So if I told you that God has supernaturally empowered me now to go from an ordinary person be able to play baseball on a superstar level. If I told you that, wouldn't you expect to see a difference in my playing ability? You would, you would want to see a difference in the way I ran the bases. If I ran the bases now, I would hurt myself. So you wouldn't want to see a difference in the way I ran the bases. You would want to see a difference in the way I swung the bat. You would want to see a difference in the way I, if I was a pitcher, that you would see, want to see a difference in my fastball, my curveball. All those things. You would want, if I told you that I had now supernatural ability to play on a superstar level and I was no longer, you know, I wasn't able to do that before, you would you'd be watching and say, okay, he says something's happened to him. I want to, see a, I want to see a difference in his fastball. And if you saw no difference in any of those things and I looked like a 60-year-old man playing baseball, which wouldn't be pretty, but if I looked like that, you would doubt my counter with God. You would probably question the, the fact that I told you all this stuff about the supernatural ability that I have, that I had this encounter with God. He said I was going to play at a superstar level and none of the evidence was there. You would either question my, my ability, my encounter with God, or maybe even my sanity. If you saw no difference, you would question. And I think this is why the world has a problem with Christianity. Because sometimes our words do not match our actions. Worldwide, there are many Christians who would claim that they have an encounter with God every day. They would claim that they have the Holy Spirit living inside of them. And, and because they do, it affects the way they live their lives. They would, millions of us would claim this. And yet, there is great disconnect in, on our words and our actions. And some of it has to do with what God has already spoke to us about today. It's about our past and letting certain things disqualify us. Living underneath or beneath what God has promised for us. I think that this poses a big question. 
If I say I have the Holy Spirit living inside of me, that I have this all-powerful, He's God everywhere in the universe, fully God everywhere in the universe, that this powerful being lives inside of me, and I profess this, and I announce this, and I tell everybody that I, that I know that I have this, this wonderful God living inside of me, shouldn't my life be different than those who do not have the Holy Spirit inside of them? The obvious answer is yes, it should be. This is not, oh, the pastor is going to condemn me now, sermon. This is the Holy Spirit challenging our hearts to live like free sons and daughters. I want you to, to, to use, that's the lens I want you to filter what I'm about to go into. Because it's going to be, a, I don't want to say hard, but it's going to be a challenge. Because it challenged me when I read the following scripture that I'm about to let loose on you. Okay? And, and it's not to condemn us. The Holy Spirit does not condemn us. Therefore, there is no what? Condemnation in those who are in Christ Jesus, right? But I do believe the Holy Spirit challenges us. He challenges us not because he thinks poorly of us, but because he thinks well of us. And he wants us to, to be healthier. He wants us to be stronger. He wants us to be freer. And that's why he challenges our heart. So please do not look through the lens of condemnation when I'm about to read this scripture. Because, it's, 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 again, it's a tough one. Okay? I promise you it will challenge you. And I'm glad that it will. Because I'm glad it challenged me. I wasn't happy about it at first, but I'm glad about it now. But then I realized he wasn't, the Holy Spirit wasn't trying to condemn me. He was trying to encourage me to want more because there's more for us. Okay, see, so that's the pause, okay? Lens, no condemnation. Lens of God is just challenging my heart because he loves me desperately. Okay, can we promise to do that? In Ephesians 4.30... Paul gives one of the clearest commands that there could be in the, in the, in the Bible. This is, this is short, this is to the point, and it's extremely powerful. But listen to this. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed. That means stamped, marked with a personal identification, says, for, for protection. God has stamped something on our hearts through the Holy Spirit saying, this one is mine, I'm protecting him. Okay, that's what that word means, sealed. Okay? And not only is he protected, he's protected now to the end, all eternity. Okay, that's what that word means. It's powerful. Okay? But listen to this again. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed. What does it mean to grieve the Holy Spirit? The Greek word for grieve means to cause someone sorrow, to cause someone grief. But it actually is a word picture. It's a word picture like this, of picking someone up like this and throwing them into sorrow. That's the word picture for this Greek word. It is actually taking someone physically, roughly, strongly, forcefully, and throwing them somewhere they don't want to go. Nobody really wants to go into sorrow. No one likes to experience sorrow. Spar um, when a human being thinks of sorrow, we think about loss. We connect it with loss. When we lose someone that we love, we get 
full of sorrow. We are flooded with grief because it's a loss of relationship. It's a separation. It grieves the Holy Spirit when we have a separated relationship with Him. That's what this word means. He is talking about separation here. See, it is the heart of God to always be connected with His sons and daughters. That's why separation, God hates separation. That's why He sent Jesus for us to to bridge the gap so that we can make our way back to the Father. That's why the Holy Spirit is here inside of us not only trying to convince us of this fact, but to keep us on track so that we don't get separated from God. And it grieves Him when we live beneath the things that God has promised and the things that God has said about us because it separates us from God. When we give power to that thing that we fear, we become separated from God in our spirit. We're not separated in salvation. We're, we're, if we have bent our knee to Jesus Christ, we are saved, and we're saved for all eternity. But there's a, a degree of relationship that God is trying to develop here on this planet that we get closer and closer and closer. So we are closer and closer to the image of Christ. God is always about relationship. And everything that he does is always about relationships. So not only do I love this scripture because it proves that the Holy Spirit is a person and not a thing and not a force because he has emotion and God relates to us through emotion. And sometimes I think as human beings, when we become Christians, we say, you know what? I can't get too emotional here. Emotion's bad. Well, God gave us emotions. God is emotional. Now, he has control over his emotions. His emotions are holy and pure. But since we are made in his image, we have emotions, and we can relate to him emotionally. So that's why we can actually grieve the Holy Spirit, because he has emotions. And I would suggest that if the church was more concerned about grieving the Holy Spirit, we would have less things like divorce in the church. We would have less abuse in the church. We would have less fractures in the church. Everything that you want to list, we would have less of. If we were more concerned about, I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit here because I don't want to damage my relationship with him. See, it's not about becoming a bad girl or a bad boy. It's become, I, I love God so much that the last thing I want to do is grieve him, to grieve his spirit. Because I don't want to be separate from God. I don't want to be distant from God. See, we know in the, those of us in a, in a marriage covenant, we realize there are times when we grieve each other. We do. We're human beings. We say something stupid or we do something stupid. or we, we, It's just a matter of time before we hurt each other at times. And we know... As, when we're in a love covenant, we don't want to do that. And so we do the things to avoid those kind of things. We allow the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts so we can be a better husband, a better wife towards each other. In any other kind of relation, it's the same thing. Parent-child, friend-to-friend, sister-to-brother, and brother-to-sister. We're concerned about those relationships because we care about them. And we don't want to grieve the other person. Well, it's the same thing with the Holy Spirit. We don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. Because what happens is we become separated from God. And we actually harm ourselves since this God lives inside of us. It's not healthy for us. Does that make sense? 
Make sense? Tell me if it doesn't, because it was pretty radical. I've walked with God for a long time, and this, this scripture really, really hit me. Really hit me. I said, man, how many times have I grieved you then? Well, thankfully, he didn't give me a list. Because <laughs> when we've been there, oh, I'd probably still be there on my knees over there saying, you know, okay, because is this list ever going to end? But see, that, it's, the Holy Spirit is not about condemnation. See, if he was, each one of us would have a list. Right? And none of us wants to read that list. But isn't it the kindness of God that he says, you know what? I am, I am, I'm giving you a command. Don't, you know, inspired, Paul's giving us a command. Inspired by the Holy Spirit, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Because it's not that he's going to punish you. It's just that you're going to be distant from him. Hear the heart in that. This is, this is a God that wants us to know him. To know us so well that we don't grieve him. I think that's beautiful. Of God. You know, and I think in the past we would say, okay, we don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit because I don't want to do bad things. I, I don't want to mess up. I don't want to screw up. I don't want to be. A, I want, and, and God said, what are you talking about? This is not what this is about. What this is about is that you know me so well. You understand my spirit so well. You, know my, you understand my heart so well. You know my way so well that there isn't a chance that you grieve me because you won't want to. That's a lot different scope of understanding, isn't it? That it's not about being condemned. I don't want to do this so I don't want to be punished. I don't want to do this because I don't want to be far away from my God who loves me. It's different. It's relational. It's purposeful. God wants us close, not away. God hates separation from his sons and daughters. Look, when we're distant from someone we love on this planet, don't we feel bad? We, 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 feel we can't stand it. We want to make it right. And when we make it right, it's like, oh, why? man, this is so much better. So much better. Well, the Holy Spirit desires the same thing. He doesn't want us to be distant. He wants us up close and personal. He doesn't want us to feel separated because he knows when we're in a life-giving relationship with him, it changes everything. We stay on fire. We burn with a holy light. And the things that need to be consumed, yeah, they're, they're consumed and they're burned away like dross. And it purifies. It makes us more like Jesus Christ. Man, that changes the... The whole complexity of, of that scripture, doesn't it? This, this scripture is really an invitation. This is what this scripture is. As a matter of fact, all of scripture is an invitation to know God better. But this one is an invitation. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Can I just remind you in the, in the, when I'm telling you not to grieve that you're sealed? See the promise? And this is the goodness of God. He's saying, don't grieve the Holy Spirit by which you're sealed. Man, you're, don't worry, this deal is done. You're, you're mine. You're always going to be mine. Please don't worry about that, as God is saying. You are sealed. You have my stamp on you. That stamp is approval. You have it. You don't have to earn it. But what I'm asking you is not to grieve the Spirit because it puts distance between you and I. And that is hurtful for you and hurtful for me. That changes a lot. We don't have to walk in condemnation. You know, last week I hammered 
the fact that we weren't dirty, rotten sinners anymore. So I hammered that home. I don't know what came over me. Holy Spirit? Yes. But I hammered it home because I felt like we needed to hear it again. I feel like we need to hear this again, too, that there is no condemnation in you who are in Christ Jesus. There's none. There's not some. There's not a bit. There's not when you deserve it. There is none. And if there is no... The Scripture says that... In my head, where is it? Um, it says, um, I don't know where it's found, but it, it, it'll come to me. But anyways, uh, if our heart condemns us, it's, it's going to be okay because cause God is greater than our heart. So if we're thinking we're disqualified by this thing in our, in our past here, this thing behind us, you know, and we think we're condemned for it. God says, I'm so much greater than your heart. Can you believe the things that I say about you now? Will you believe the things that I say about you? And put them things way in the past and just forget them because they're going to be burned up. They're going to be consumed by my love. Hmm. In Ephesians chapter 3, at the end of that chapter, verses 20 and 28, it says this, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, listen to this, exceedingly, abundantly, beyond. Just those three combined, those words combined, it just blows my mind. God is leaving no room for error in this, in this prayer. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond all that we ask or imagine according to the power, miraculous power, strength, that works in us, be mighty in, to be active and effective, to show power, in us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Paul prays to a God there who is so huge, so big that he moves beyond anything that we can imagine or ask for. Exceedingly, abundantly beyond. I want to get a t-shirt that just says that. I mean, I mean, I can't, I can't find another word that fits better with that. Exceedingly abundantly beyond. Anything that we could pray for. Anything that we can ask or imagine that God will do for us. It's right there. It's right here. I love the hope and expectation and that's in that prayer. And I think this is where we grieve the Holy Spirit. To live below that. When we pray and we say, God, I'm just going to, I'm going to think, I'm going to, maybe, maybe you'll do this and we pray with such doubt and fear because we feel like we've been so disqualified that we can't even ask God to help us. That's wrong. That grieves the Holy Spirit because that's moving away from Him. That's backing up. Instead of approaching what the Bible says, that we could approach the throne of grace with what? Boldness. Boldness. Approach the throne of God with boldness. This is, this is echoed throughout this prayer. Separation grieves the heart of God. Romans twelve eighteen says, Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Unity is important to God. He has unity in the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. There's unity there. And the Holy Spirit is in us to keep us in unity with that trinity. 
And the effect of that is that we have unity among each other. The relationships are extremely important to us. The relationship that we have with Him and the relationship we have with each other. It grieves the Holy Spirit when we're not in right relationship with each other. And we see this as an issue with many churches. We have all experienced something. With disunity destroys a church. We've all experienced it in this room. And that does grieve the heart of God. Because it separates people from Him. Where agendas become more important than worrying about grieving the Holy Spirit. This is why we need to be careful about this. This is one of the reasons. We can also grieve the Holy Spirit by these things. I'm not going to read these scriptures, but you can write these out real quick. We can also grieve the Holy Spirit when we resist the Holy Spirit. That's in Acts 7.51. We can grieve the Spirit when we lie to the Holy Spirit. That's Acts 5.3-4. through 4. And we can grieve the Holy Spirit when... And this is a sermon all unto itself when we commit blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. That's in Matthew 12.31 and in Mark 3.29. Turn to Ephesians 5, if you would. I'm just going to go a little bit longer. I'm sorry. It is important to, 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 to consider how we cannot grieve the Holy Spirit. But in Ephesians 5, it, it actually tells us how to please the Holy Spirit. And I love this. Verse 10, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it's shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when everything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time, because the days are evil. How many of us would agree that the days are evil? Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what is the will of the Lord is. Don't get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Let's pause here for a minute. This is huge. Filled with the Holy Spirit. That Greek word means to be crammed in. It means to abound. It means to make complete in every way and to render perfect. Sounds like a, like a burning process to me. Like being consumed by fire. Being purified process. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. That's what we just did a little while ago. And this is supposed to be the continuous state for us. Worship to God and everything that we do. Encouraging each other with that. Giving thanks always and for everything to God. The Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is how we please the Spirit. By the way we walk. By the way we talk. In this, in this passage, it says to expose darkness. To live wisely. To encourage each other. To worship. To be grateful. And to live in unity. These are the things that please the Spirit. Because they're all relational. They're all relational. Everything that God does is relational. It's beautiful. And I end this with a story. The purpose of not grieving the Holy Spirit, we agree, is relational, right? 
It's relational. God doesn't want us separate. And God doesn't want us distant. He wants us on fire. He wants us to be burning and consumed with His ways, His heart, so that we understand what His will is, that scripture that we just read, so we can discern His will. And sometimes discerning His will takes you to, to kind of strange places, places that you weren't expecting. And sometimes it's a, it's a chain of events that line up and you become part of that link in that chain. And this happened very recently, just the other day to me. There was a friend that, that Lance met. And he met him on a trusteeus, correct? Yes. And this, this particular man has a background very similar to mine. Very similar to mine. Lance had the opportunity to talk to him. And in that conversation, he mentioned me. And, and that perhaps I could be, since we have similar backgrounds, we could talk and have a conversation that would be fruitful. Several weeks later, this guy does give me a call. We play phone tag for a while. Finally, we connect. And I went, he invited me over to his house on Friday night. This man is Jewish. Converted to Judaism some years ago. And now goes to a synagogue, has a Seder at his house, the whole nine yards. He is very Jewish. And here in the midst of this man's home, a Christian comes in to talk about Jesus Christ and how Jesus Christ set him free from his past. Only the Holy Spirit orchestrates something like that. Because not many Jewish believers, or well, he's not, he doesn't believe in Jesus, but I mean, the married Jewish people would not invite a Christian into their home to talk about Jesus. Only the Holy Spirit does that. And we have to discern when God gives us opportunity, whether or not it's an opportunity. I knew he was Jewish. Lance had mentioned this to me. But I said, sure. Why not? And I, 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 before we got into the conversation, I said, look, we're going to talk about some, some troubling things, of course, but I want you to know that I cannot tell you how to help yourself or what can work unless I talk about my Savior, Jesus. Otherwise, everything I'm about to tell you is not going to be in any benefit to you. It's going to be like a Band-Aid. And if you're okay with that, we can have a conversation. And he said, yeah. And we had a, a wonderful hour and a half conversation and agreed to meet more. God spoke some, God was ministering through the Holy Spirit through me and spoke some things over this man that immediately he felt some freedom. It wasn't me, it wasn't just telling my story, although that's important. We talk about telling each other's story, right? This is important. It's of God's working through us. But it was relational. It was. Sometimes I think why people tend to forget the Holy Spirit is that we treat him like a power or a force that we summon up when we need it. And Jesus, and we wonder why prayers don't get answered that way or things don't change that way because God will not be manipulated that way. He is not someone to summon. He's the king. He summons us, but we can ask. And because we're connected to him, we're not separated from him, we're not trying to grieve him, that we're operating with him, and he's operating through us because this is his home, this is his home base where ministry on this earth is us. We can discern what his will is, we can go where he wants us to go, 
we can be bold to say the things that we want to say in love, and God does miracle-working power through that. Again, it's not about the gifts. It's not about the power of the Holy Spirit. It's about the person of the Holy Spirit. Because when we know the person, then we avail ourselves to the power and the authority that he carries. Father, thank you for speaking to us. We have so much more to learn. And we, we, we know that that's why you were sent to us, Holy Spirit, to, to teach us, to lead us to all truth. So I pray, Father, that within this today, within this, that you would cement the things that we need to hear. And we would forget the things that we don't need. And that we would not grieve you by living beneath the promises that you have for us. That we would not grieve you by, by being separated in relationship to you. But we would pursue you with everything that we have. So that friction starts us on fire. Friction's not a bad thing. It starts fires. We want to start a fire. We want to influence this world around us with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So you, we're going to ask that, 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 that you continue to set us on, on fire. And that as we offer ourselves as living sacrifices to you, that we will trust that you will burn away the things that need to be burned away. You will purify the things that need to be purified. But we, we trust you in that process. Because you are good. And everything that you do is good. And we want to be a glory and an honor to your name. And in this we ask. Jesus' name, amen.